Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. We've got to go today. We've got to go fast. We've got to do speedrun tactics here. This is going to be a quick episode here and back as fast as we can. Yeah, we don't have a lot of uh, time on our hands, so we got to speed up and make sure that this happens quickly. If you're listening at home, make sure you uh, adjust on your podcast app so that you're listening at a little bit of a faster speed, because this entire episode is all about speedsters and uh, it's very important. If you normally if you normally listen to podcasts at one x speed, you're insane. If you normally listen to podcasts as like one point five, uh, maybe crank it up to two. Uh, if you're if you're a two and above ster hit that thing to the max get it get a three speeder going here because we have to we have to go fast this is an interactive experience for you uh to understand everything that's going on because thanks to a patreon supporter by the name of kenny we've got an episode all about speedsters uh that's right we, we got be- three separate speeders thanks to thanks to kenny so uh we're gonna rattle through them really fast we're gonna go 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 now if you are if you are on the more pedestrian side of things, a little slower, you'll actually look at your podcaster and see we're about we're about at the about at the same length as normal, uh, which is <laughs> why it's important for you to speed up this episode so the bit works. Uh, luckily, our bits are never funny, uh, so everyone gets to uh, enjoy this however they want. Uh, but I say all that to say this, Adam, we got to thank Kenny. We'll do the Patreon you, stuff at the end. Kenny, you're great. I'll <laughs> tell you how to be like Kenny later. Um, but we got to talk about the comic Kenny recommended, which was, it's called Fall Down, Go Boom. Fall Down, Go Boom. Uh, and thanks, Kenny. We're talking about Chuck Austin again. Gosh. <laughs> We're talking about it's never Chuck ending. Goals the truck. Goals. It actually <laughs> is not never ending is the thing. No, it, I know. There is a limited amount of Chuck Austin stories. It's there's like, if we did two dedicated Chuck Austin episodes, I think we could get them all done. All right. Well, we may have to plan for that. Um, This one is thankfully illustrated by uh, the outstanding Sean Phillips. Um, So, (laughs) and I believe Sean is doing uh, both his pencils and his inks here. So, this actually looks and almost feels, with the exception of maybe one like uh, one page of some very awkward dialogue, it actually kind of feels like a regular comic book. Um, this is probably the like closest how, Chuck Austin is getting to like normal, right? I like how you're using words like regular and normal and not good, <laughs> which is which is blessed. Uh, but I agree, this is Uncanny X Men four fourteen. Uh, by Chuckles the Truckles, like you said, Sean Phillips, fantastic. I, dudes know about Sean Phillips, right? Like, we don't have to pretend like he hasn't been doing all of those Ed Brubaker crime books for a while. Yeah, kind of weird, though. The the um, cover is by Stephen Uy. I think that's how you say his name. 
Um, and it's kind of got an anime look. So you would never know Sean Phillips is doing this book unless you cracked it open. It is this... very funny that we've got hyper uh, shonen anime uh, <laughs> North Star here. I'm not, it's not shonen. I don't know. What's the, what's the word for pretty looking boy in anime terms? You're asking, like, you're asking me. You've I watched Adam. I just want to say, yes. one of us had a podcast where the entire bit was that he'd only watched two animes and one of them was X-Men. <laughs> yes, I remember recently uh, sharing with you that there were like multiple Evangelion movies that went beyond uh, End of Evangelion and you were like, nope, not going to watch those. And I was Listen. like, what, you're not excited for Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.1? And you're like, what are you talking about, Adam? This That show is I over. That's over. <laughs> I, it, it is. We had to stop that for re- reasons. Also, the word I was looking for is bishonen, which means beautiful boy. Oh, I'm learning something. Well, that's nice. I'm learning something, um, too. That's what, yes. that's what North Star looks like on here. He looks like a beautiful anime boy. He does. Um, and this is a story about North Star being uh, potentially recruited to the new X-Men era. Um we have Professor X, you know, walking around and uh, asking North Star if he wants to teach at the uh, Xavier School. And while this is happening, we also have a uh, young boy who unfortunately is being uh, a victim of uh, some physical abuse. And uh, he just kind of keeps exploding. He's not explodey boy. Um, don't want to get that confused. But he does let off these gigantic bursts of blue energy that kill his family and... Um, his siblings his abusive father and uh this is no good you know the x-men go to investigate with north star and really the only person who can potentially save this boy and get him to someplace safe is the speed of of north star himself um unfortunately this does not go so well um but along the way north star has an interesting conversation with this young boy um who's dealing with his own mortality. So there's a couple of things worth introducing here and worth bringing up uh, from a historic standpoint. One, this comic came out in 2002. That's going to become relevant because the dialogue sounds like it's written in 2002. The, the other thing, North Star was an Alpha Flight character until this. And Alpha mm-hmm. Flight, even even in its earliest days, was like tenuously connected to x-men uh john john byrne fairly intentionally wanted it to be its own thing uh yeah, but they, they were just mutants. happened to be mutants they were mutants yeah. but like alpha flight was its own deal yes it was it wasn't a x-men spin-off in the way like new mutants or x-factor was right. no that's very true and, it's not alpha x flight you know right <laughs> now, North Star had been on the X-Men at one point for Eve of Destruction, um, which is mostly remembered for being very bad and unimportant and completely forgotten the m- next month when uh, Grant Morrison took over the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is really taking North Star and centering him in a high-profile position in the X-Line. Uh, and Professor X specifically addresses, hey, uh, 
due to the comics code, all of us are straight and we've got some students that likely aren't and we should probably have someone for them to like talk to. Uh, the beauty of North Star is that he is not a kind or supportive person. Uh, um, he, he <laughs> no, but he is not. intrigued. He is intrigued by this offer, uh, not necessarily by the idea of being a, a diversity hire, um, but he is intrigued by the idea of coming to teach business and economics. So he's understanding that Xavier is is respecting his role, potential role in the school in multiple ways, and that right conversation alone strikes me as somewhat in more intelligent than what we usually get from mr austin unfortunately this does get negated by something later in the issue well then so he goes and saves the he goes and saves the kid uh and tries to tries to take the kid back uh and the kid the kid freaks out because north star mentions that he's gay uh and that you know people did not accept him because he was gay, just like uh, this kid's father is not accepting him because he's a mutant. Uh, and there's some really 2002 dialogue in there, including some references to pretty terrible stereotypes about gay men. And it's not great to read. It's very much the way this was talked about in 2002, so it's authentic of the time. But that time was homophobic and bad. Yeah, uh, it's it's rough. Um, like you can see what Chuck Austin is trying to do. I do think that it's I'll, I want to give him a little bit of credit because I feel like he is um, this is for for the fact that it does have some unfortunate choice of language in it. Um it's still a little bit more sophisticated than what Chuck Austin tends to do, which is kind of like oh, proselytize through his, you know, he has his characters make speeches and they're, they're usually supposed to be these sort of like, uh, you know, social topic of pop topic du jour. Um, this doesn't feel like that. This feels like an honest attempt to have this character identifying with this young, young man and trying to save him. Um, so it is flawed. Um, it, it's not great. And unfortunately he's not unable to, to save the boy. Um, he can't get him back to, to the Xavier, uh, mansion before, you know, he takes himself I, out with this explosion. I'll be very honest that I gave the book a lot of credit because I do think this is likely the best Chuck Austin X-Men issue. Mm-hmm. Like, Looking, looking at the the whole every of everything, this one's probably the best because it does feel authentic, even if it's dated. It does feel like it feels like it's directly approaching a topic in a way that, like even today, is a rarity in a lot of Marvel comics. Sure, uh, when it comes to topics like directly addressing uh, homosexuality and things like that. Yeah, it's just I, you. And- don't, you don't get that in a lot of Marvel stuff. They are incredibly conservative about how they approach these things. And for every amount of effort that creators do make, uh, it, it gets held back. And that's that's an unfortunate thing here. All that aside, I don't like that the kid dies to make North Star feel sad. But that's 
largely because I don't like kids dying in stories, especially as props for other characters to feel sad about, because it's even sadder because it was a kid that died. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, you know, a little bit of a fridging situation. Uh, What I will say, um, and to give Austin credit, is that typically he's very bad at structuring issues and laying them out. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's just because he has Phillips on board to do it, but this is structured very well. And there's actually some interesting moments. There's, there's one at the end where North star is laying on this infirmary bed and asks, uh, Xavier, do you think you could have saved him? And Xavier is pretty blunt. He, he, there's this great, like silent panel, you know, which to see that in a Chuck Austin book is, is wild. And then to have Xavier, you know, think it before he says it, that he couldn't, it it just, it, it showcases a level of storytelling that I'm sure Sean Phillips was informing, um, in, in his reaction to the script that I I think elevates it a little bit more than we normally would get. Now, I don't want to go crazy praising this. I just think it's a pretty good issue. Um, I, I don't think it's like stellar, but it's so much better than what we see from him normally that uh, it does stand out. I think this is probably the most mature and like, it, I mean that in just in terms of the content being, you know, adult and also the mm-hmm. content being well-developed and well thought out that Chuck Austin ever reaches. Yeah. Does that agree. make it a good comic that I would recommend? No, I think there are other comics that I still wouldn't call great that deal with this exact same topic better. Yeah. But if we're grading on the Chuck Austin scale, this one <laughs> this it, one ends it, up pretty pretty good. Yes. Uh but we have a much bigger scale uh with our giant list, so we should probably add it to it. We do. We have a big old list of all the X-Men stories of all time. Uh it's very long. I'll tell you how long at the end. Uh, but number one on that list is the House of X, Powers of Ten. Number 100 on that list is Messiah War. Number 200 is the X-Force Road Trip. Number 300 is uh, that X-Men annual where they uh, they do a cult in Kentucky with the Guthries. Mm-hmm. There's a Guthrie cult. Well, just one Guthrie's in the cult. Uh, 400 is the Life and Times of Lucas Bishop. Uh, number 500 is Ages of Apocalypse. In 528, uh, it's Chuck Austin himself. It's the Draco, baby. <laughs> I want to I finally give Austin a little bit of credit here. I think this is a 300s uh, level story. I don't think we're as... Well, hold as... on. Hold on. I, I, I'm not... You just want to double check my math. Check my math because at four hundred, life and times of Lucas Bishop. I think this is better. The than bottom, that. the the top rated Chuckles Austin story that we have on this list mm-hmm. uh, is number four twenty seven, Day of the Atom, which is the one where they find out about Zorn's uh, secret identical twin brother Zorn. Right. This is better than that. This is better than that, but like by like a good step. Yeah, uh, it's pr- it's probably better than Generation M, which is a pretty comparable comic, honestly. And um, we have that's that a four oh four, four oh 
four. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think we're in the three hundreds here. Um, okay. But we're in the, we're in the deep three hundreds because is this better than judgment war? <sighs> All right. Yeah. Paul you got Smith, me. Paul Smith draws judgment war again. I'm the judgment war disliker here. Yeah. No, but ju- you're right. Judgment War is better, as is London Hellfire Club, which is right above it at 395. But it's probably better than Cyclops Retribution from uh, Marvel Comics Presents at 397. I agree with that. Uh, we can we can move. Uncanny X Men 441 Fall Down Go Boom. Uh, <laughs> Chuck Austin has broken into the 300s right now. How long will he stay there? I. <laughs> Honestly, it could be the rest of this episode. I was going to say, I think he's going to stay there for the rest of this episode because uh, this next one we're going to talk about is, oh boy. Um, it's not, he's not going to stay there by next week. I know what we're doing next week. And I can tell you for a fact, they're all better than this. But. Well, this week. Uh, okay. Tell him what we're talking about next. Because this one's rough. I just think that you got to watch them be quick or be dead. Snake eyes and have on the beast in your head. We're talking about X Factor, the quick and the dead. Yes. Should we um, replace me with Bruce Dickinson, a good singer from Iron Maiden, who does exactly that? Are, are you saying you're better than Bruce Dickinson? Or are you? No, I'm not better than Bruce Dickinson. Hey, fun fact. This is unrelated to the quick and the dead. Uh, I know my father, on occasion, listens to this podcast. I assume not every week, because that would sure. be insanity. Yeah. Because he does not read comics. If you do, hi, Dad. <laughs> For my birthday, which was not that long ago, I became yeah. an old. I, I mm-hmm. turned 30. My dad got me a book that might be the weirdest book I've ever seen. Ooh, this is relevant, I swear. Yeah. Uh, it's a book by Adrian Smith, uh, one of the three guitarists for uh, Iron Maiden. It's called Monsters of River and Rock. My life as Iron Maiden's compulsive angler. And it's Adrian Smith's book about fishing? Oh my god. What a cover. You're holding this up right now so I can see it. And I am this loving this gold embossed... <laughs> this is a 300 page book <laughs> about very very incredible guitarist adrian smith as an angler i love Fishing. that what a concept i love the font that's great got the iron maiden font on the cover the, have you the started it is, yet and is it any i good? have not started it yet i'm not a fisherman i am an iron maiden fan so i'm very interested uh in, I'm very interested in if I can be interested in a book about fishing uh, from a guy from Iron Maiden. Like, what's next? Is Yannick Gears going to write a book about knitting? Is Dave Murray going to, I don't know, talk to me about, like, stock car racing? <laughs> well, obviously, I mean- Bruce, obviously, Bruce Dickinson's going to talk to me about commercial flights and how to become a commercial pilot. <laughs> Well, you that's not a joke. Your... That part's not that part. That part's just what Bruce Dickinson does. No, but I, I was going to say you got to compliment your dad for knowing you well enough to buy you that book. 
Like my that would be like my I'm dad be uh, buying me like a, a, a Sonic Youth, uh, you know, something or other, and I, I that's not happening. Um, Adam, so, you're, you so, have to do some, you have to do some math in your head here and realize that my dad just really liked Iron Maiden when he was a teen, <laughs> and I listened to them when I was a teen. That's how that worked. Yes, but uh, you still like Iron Maiden. It's not I like do you still don't. Like Iron Maiden's. Uh, hey. Wild statement, Iron Maiden's pretty good when it comes to metal bands. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it still requires some knowledge of you, and I, I think that's appreciated. Um, all right, we just got off on a tangent here. Um, it was a quick tangent, so, but we're not talking a about North Star A quick one while you were away. <laughs> this one is about Quicksilver. Um, it's written by Peter David. It is uh, drawn by Pablo Raimondi. And uh, colored by Jeremy Cox. And it is happening right after House of M, correct? Well... Decimation? No. So... So it goes House of M. Right. House of M number seven, where Wanda says no more mutants. Right. House of M number eight, which kicks off the decimation. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Quicksilver appears in the first arc of X-Factor... As a grifter. Because he's lost and, his Terrigen crystals, right? Or No, he's lost he's lost his power in general. Right. Then in Son of M, which we have not covered on this podcast, he hangs out with the Inhumans with his ex-wife and then steals Terrigen crystals and infuses them into his body so that he can travel through time because a Quicksilver from the future told him to do that. And <laughs> he's getting super speed through time travel. I don't oh know God. if he got his regular powers back or if we just stopped doing that bad idea. Uh, well, so is this, is this, this, Oh, this is after he's had his Terrigen crystals taken away. Yes. So he's kind of hit that. rock bottom and is in prison and is talking to himself because he's having visions of people from his life and two other prisoners in the cell are kind of making fun of him. And, oh, you're talking um, about T-Bar and Rufus? <laughs> yes. Peter David, Peter David name, names his gang members in his jail like he's Joe Biden telling a story. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Quicksilver, um, how would you describe how Quicksilver looks in this book? The, the artist has given him a very peculiar face. He looks, he looks like he's in a bad way, Adam. He looks like he's having a day. (laughs) He sure does. He's got these purple bruises on him. He looks kind of cross-eyed, maybe missing a tooth. Um, and he gets visited by sort of ghosts of Christmas past here, Wanda, Eric, um, Crystal, and even Layla. Um, and, uh, well, Layla's his arch nemesis to be fair. Right, right. And, uh, Magneto decides to use his time as a vision to, uh, apologize for, oh, I don't know if that's the right word. He says something nice. He says something nice about Hitler and the Holocaust that does not what he sit says, right with me. What he says is that 
Well, you know, Pietro, if it wasn't for the Holocaust, I would have never met your mom. Which... I understand that this is not Magneto saying this. This is Quicksilver's demented idea of Magneto saying this in the story. But also, Peter David, you did write that coming out of Magneto's mouth. And that's a choice that you could make. And I would not make that choice personally. No. I I think that in general, that's probably a little flippant. I I read this panel and was just like aghast. I could not believe that he was I mean, just a critical misunderstanding of the character of like even in Quicksilver's mind, it makes no sense. Um Okay, well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I understand Quicksilver's mind uh by any means. I get it. I do I think don't that, get like, it though. Like I like no, you said, I, I, I don't I don't understand Quicksilver's mind any better because of this story. Like I'm getting this interior hallucination monologue that doesn't add anything to any of it. Layla basically shows up and is like, Hey loser, you, you could still be Quicksilver and Quicksilver like runs out and runs around the world and saves somebody or no, he, he sort of runs out of steam and gets picked up by a cruise ship it it does beg the question why is this a one shot what in the world is meaningful about this particular story that demanded it be a standalone comic book that needed to be separate from the run of x factor in which he was already a character like this does not lead into an event it doesn't stem really from anything but an arc from x factor so why if i could put if i could put my business boy hat on all right i want to hear this if i could put my business boy hat on i would say i like how you're looking around for your business i wanted to see i wanted to see if i had a hat around and then i remembered this is an audio medium even though we have a video well we could at least describe the hat but i just thought it was funny you're you're describing a business boy hat (laughs) it's like a a i forgot for a second that the cameras were just for us okay (laughs) where's where's Uh, my business boy hat (laughs) (laughs) what i what i would say is so quicksilver is a fairly prominent marvel character he was like when they when they were recruiting new Avengers for Joss Whedon's movie, he was up there on the list of Avengers to recruit. Like, he was there. So, like, they see Quicksilver as a big deal. Uh, and I think that's a fair statement to make. Um, this is a story that is roughly standalone because you don't need to know how Quicksilver lost his Terrigen Crystals or anything. You just need to know Quicksilver's in a bad place. Uh, and he gets his powers back for reasons that are never commented on again. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't know, because then he goes to, I think, Mighty Avengers, I think he goes to. And then he tells everybody that he it was actually a scroll because it was just after the secret invasion. He tells everyone, oh, no, that was a scroll. That wasn't real Quicksilver that did all those <laughs> bad things. That was a scroll. Here's the thing about that. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's a great way to 
still have a character be a dirtbag and write him into a script in a good way. Here's the thing about that, though. Again, unrelated to this whole story, but Daniel Slot did then have Hank Pym find out about it and had Hank Pym say, eh, we'll just let we'll just let all of that slide and go without any repercussions. Which coming from Hank Pym sure is it's a not again, you gotta think outside of the story and think at the optics of what you are actually doing and saying, creators. It's on a different scale, but like the same fallacy of that Magneto th- thing. It's like, yes, okay, I can see how you could come up with a story justification for this happening, but you're still making it happen, so maybe think about that for a hot sec. Yeah. All right, let's rank this bad boy, because I... It's pretty... I'm going to say something wild. I don't think this is as good as that Chuck Austin story. This is bad. It's not as good as that Chuck Austin story. Let's drop this bad boy into the 400s. 400s. Yeah, definitely. Um, is it worse than the secret invasion arc of X-Factor and She-Hulk? I think it is. That's at 410. I mean, yeah, it's just about there. It's right uh, It's right in that area. Uh, I'm looking around. I'd probably... 422 is IVX. I'd probably rather read IVX. Really. Oh, definitely. I think I'd rather read... Um, uh x-men 20 and 21 i lucifer that's at least like kind of silly you know which one's that at where's I uh, that's right below that at uh at oh yeah, yeah 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 you know um wildcats x-men's better than this trial of juggernaut another chuck austin story probably better than this i would agree um, i would agree um yeah i don't know if this is let's see oh no yeah. we're really getting I down think we're into in... it this is is this better or worse than Blood of Apocalypse from Peter Milligan? Um Yeah, maybe it's I mean, ooh, Blood of Apocalypse is bad. It's bad. I mean, we're getting yeah, into Yeah, that's this. the thing. But but here's the thing, like I'm going down to 451, Iceman Volume 1. I'd rather reread Iceman Volume 1 than ever. Like this is such a meaningless story. I don't I don't We've think got it a really, weird Right? We've like, got a weird list here. <laughs> We really do. We really do. Um, I feel like this uh, is about as meaningless as that Incredible Hulk story that we ranked last episode, which is down at 462. Oh, but that Incredible Hulk story was better. I, that's what I'm that saying. Was... It, it should go low. Oh, dang. Um, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Maybe we gave Blood of Apocalypse too much credit. Maybe. It's better. Okay, 480 is X-Women, and this is better than X-Women. Sure. Yeah, it's not It's not that bad. Um I don't think it's as bad as like X Men five to seven, the man who fell to Earth. Um, oh, I think it's better. I think X Men. Actually, no, I think X Men's better than that. Really? Okay. Okay. I would actually put it right between that and X Men and the Micronauts. If I'm looking at this list, that's where I would put it. Yeah. No, I think I think you're uh, exactly right. So this is going to be our new 477 Quicksilver, the Quick and the Dead. Two-time Glad Award winner Peter Allen David, you are not having a good showing here today. Jesus. It's a bad one. Just skip that one. Uh, mm. All right. We got one more I forgot here. about. 
And Mr. Mr. Zachary, uh, I would like to have a word with you because we talked about how we needed one more speedster for this episode. And you were like, very casually, hey, let's just do the first appearance of Surge. And I was like, oh, I love Surge. This will be great. Uh, Not realizing that we were talking about New Mutants Volume 2, 7 to 12, The Ties That Bind uh which adam zach adam i forgot i forgot (laughs) until you put you posted you posted a panel on twitter and it all came rushing back said oh no that also happens in that arc yes oh no yes Uh, so why don't we start with the fact uh, that each one of these issues has chris bachelot cover and i'm like oh this is gonna be so cool oh no no, it's not. It's not. Um, this is from 2004. It's by Nuez de Felipez and Christina Ware on uh, writing. Uh, Carlos Barbary does most of the pencils. Uh, Carrie Randolph uh, does a few uh, fill-in pages here or there on a couple of the issues. And that, this is the story. I was going to say, this is not a New Mutant story. Well, no. So this this book was called New Mutants. At the time, and it was about essentially Danny Moonstar, Xi'an. Uh, why did I say? Oh, because that's the name of the city. That's how it's pronounced, and that's how I always read it. Danny, Sean, uh, and really that's about it. Uh, training up the next generation of new mutants like uh, Prodigy mm-hmm. and uh, Wind Dancer, Wind Dancer, and the Wallflower. other one, Wallflower. And yep. Yeah, Elixir here. Here's the thing: we didn't. We didn't cover this because we haven't done the first arc of this yet. Uh, if you didn't know, I think you picked it up in this. Elixir uh, was introduced as a member of the Reavers. Yeah, that makes no kicked... sense. Well, hold on, because it <laughs> it makes a certain sort of sense. Because you have read the New Mutants graphic novel, Marvel graphic true. novels number four. Right, right. Where, right. where Cannonball is introduced, and he needed money, so he... Uh, joined Donald Pierce and his team at the time was the Hellfire Club. So he was like, okay, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I hate mutants. <laughs> and it wasn't at the time he was just working for a dude. It wasn't explicitly anti-mutant. But that's right. that's exactly what they're doing here is they're having they had Donald Pierce's team and hey, here's the here's the kid that's going to do it. The problem is that Josh Foley was uh, an outright racist against mutants the whole mm-hmm. time until he became a mutant and then he doesn't know why everyone at the school is like not wanting to hang out with him which is incredibly incredibly fair it's this is not people being like mean this is like hey bud you were in the kkk like a week ago <laughs> i don't, don't want to hang out with you <laughs> i don't think i want you around yeah you gotta give credit to uh, to Prodigy for being as nice to Josh as he is throughout this arc, uh, because he really shouldn't be. Um, and uh, we are really getting our first taste of the uh, the new X Men, um, you know, teams. We're getting introduced to you know we've got Hellion and Rockslide and Analy. They're all here as part of the supporting cast. 
Um, but we're getting getting these new mutants that are going to be part of uh, of the other team, and uh, I like Barbieri's um, Barbieri's art here. I, I I think it's nice. It's got kind of like a cartoonish quality to it. It doesn't work all the time, but I think it fits the the tone of the book. Um, unfortunately, the thrust of this, it, while there is the introduction of Surge, um, who, who they is, have to deal. Let let let's. Let's stick with Surge first. Talk about Surge. Yeah, let's stick with that. Let's start there. Yeah. So Surge appears in the second issue of this as a homeless homeless girl who is trying to get into Xavier's because she's a mutant and she needs help, and Hellion tells her to go away. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that sucks. Thanks, Hellion. Uh, Yeah, that part that part does suck. Yeah. Um, in what we later find out is that. She is homeless and has a substance abuse problem, or not even abuse, but a substance dependency to help slow herself down so that she can control her fast electricity powers. Right. And, you know, it's only upon coming into Xavier's that she's assured that this is not a good solution for what she's dealing with. And she's outfitted with her trademark, uh, sort of gauntlets that allow her to, to control and channel her electricity and also look completely like awesome. So yeah, drugs are bad, Adam. That's the moral of the story <laughs> yeah. is that all homeless people are on drugs and drugs are bad. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a rough start. Um, she also, um, you know, along the way, loses control in the local cafe and electrocutes the, the cafe owner and goes back at the end of the arc and offers to sort of work off all of the damages that she, uh, you know, made in, in this little cafe, which is also an interesting uh, choice um, of story. But, you know, for that is not the lasting impression that I have of these issues. Unfortunately, we have to talk about what mm-hmm. is the um, overwhelming focus of these issues. And that is a very radical character assassination of one Miss Rain Sinclair. Um, we get introduced to this new version of Rain as um, Avalanche is attacking um, a, a small downtown and I guess a I guess a character who is supposed to be Rain Sinclair shows up, um, lost her accent, dressed in sort of unrecognizable clothing, and is now suddenly this like slang talking, s- calls everybody slick. Uh, it's real weird. And it only it's gets weird. Weirder. They want they want Wolfsbane to be super cool, and I love Wolfsbane. She's also Wolfsbane. Like, right? no, I I I I love the Wolfsbane that I knew and loved the entire time before this. So if you want to bring back Wolfsbane and make her, you know, something for the new generation, that's one thing. But there's darn near nothing recognizable about Rain Sinclair nothing. in this. And that becomes worse when, well, two things happen in parallel. One, uh, because he's a mutant, uh, Elixir's parents uh, sign his legal guardianship over to the Xavier Institute, and specifically Danny Moonstar, who is now, I guess, legally his mom. Yeah, really weird. 
Really weird. Two. At the, at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. Uh, Elixir and Wolfsbane just start making out. Wolfsbane becomes a teacher in this. And now she's hooking up with a student immediately after showing up. And that sucks. What's really creepy about this is that Rain is... First of all, you already have a series that is trying to present Danny and Sean as sort of a little bit older than we remembered them from New Mutants. Old enough so that they are going to be instructors for this new generation of, of young kids. Now, when Rain shows up, it's specifically pointed out that she was significantly younger than them. But yet is still old enough to be an instructor at uh as part of this new program but it's also indicated when josh and rain go out on a date that they're not that far apart in age and the comic wants to have it both ways and frankly all of it adds up to being super freaking creepy and gross there's no both ways about it when there is a when there is a disproportional power dynamic in a relationship like this and the very literal textbook definition of that is a student teacher relationship when well they're not that far in age but there is such a big power gap between a direct instructor and a student that oh boy you should it is the warning flag like it's everything the fact that the writers went this way, both with the character and then with her and Josh's involvement and continues on into the new X-Men title, it's so just wrong and gross. And I want to talk about Surge and I, I want to you know talk about these characters because I think there is some okay stuff happening in these books in terms of character development, but... My God, this just overshadows everything. It's so offensive, and it just doesn't it doesn't sit right, you know. It um, sucks. It's also just not a very interesting story. Like, well, it doesn't take add away, anything. You know what I mean? There's a whole issue the that recaps Rain's. What's that? Take away the fact that it's bad. Uh, it's not a very interesting tale that they're telling. No, and and what's like, really strange about it is that, you know, they take an entire issue to go through and explain Rain's entire backstory um, as part of flashbacks, and it just shows, like, the complete incongruity. Like, how do you know that entire arc of the character from beginning to the ni- through the 90s and still end up with this is the version that you want to present in your book? I, I don't I don't get it. It's mystifying. So it's a, it's a, it's a, I, I see why they did the flashback thing. Like, I don't agree with it because what they essentially do is use it as a, uh, foil for uh wind dancer and how right. she raised up. Uh, yeah. and they're trying to like make these connections that, well, this is the new version of this character, but it's a tenuous connection and it doesn't really land very well, no. except for, no, it Hey, both these characters have daddy issues, which, Hey, welcome to welcome to most of fiction and also <laughs> a large chunk of reality. Absolutely. Um, but it doesn't work. It, it's it's really 
no good. So, you know, what I can salvage from this is, like I said, you know, some of the stuff that's happening with Prodigy and some of the other characters that are starting to evolve here. But unfortunately, that aspect of the story really just makes the rest of it fall apart i i don't want to revisit this i find it very icky and i think i'm gonna rank it pretty dang low so we we have another we have another student teacher relationship story on our list mm. and that that is of course uh the first arc of emma frost higher learning 455 on our list right now i think emma frost is better than this i would agree i would agree i think it is as well um I'd rather read the survival guide to the mansion again, though. Yeah, I think so. Um, I will give it enough credit. I don't think it's as bad as the quick and the dead that we just ranked um, at 477. I agree. Because it does have some significant character beats that get some of these characters off of the ground um, so that they're, you know, ready to start going in new X-Men. Uh I see you have highlighted 475 475 is origins the Wolverine story mm-hmm and I don't like origins but I <laughs> think origins might be better than this all right so is it better or worse than uh, the second arc of X-Man I think it's better than the second arc of X-Man I said the other one was worse so I'm fine with splitting it on this one <laughs> okay why is uh, it that I have a compulsion to defend X-Man, a book that I do not enjoy owning? It's because you've read it. You 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 have. You have to and share no your else, pain. Everyone everyone else who's like, "Oh, I know X-Man." No, you did not read 75 issues of this thing plus annuals straight plus crossovers straight and have <laughs> this weird Stockholm syndrome about Nate Gray, and then right after you do that, Nate Gray suddenly becomes a good and interesting character of a underrated event. Mm. Oh, boy. Well, hey, we uh, talked about speedsters, and for those of you who have been listening on, uh, you know, one and a half, two, three times speed, um, I hope we sounded good as chipmunks, you know what I mean? So uh, that was fun. Well, do you know who I hope thinks that? I hope Kenny... uh, is happy about that because Kenny did go over to patreon.com slash comics XF, uh, reached deep into his heart and his pocketbook and threw a couple of coins in our coffers, uh, just so we could keep bringing you this quality content that we do every week, both here on Battle of the Atom and with all of our friends over on comics XF. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of good reviews and issue things. <laughs> Adam just wrote a big thing about Ursa Major. Um, you know the bear? It's relevant, I, I promise. I don't know if that's actually going to get published on the site. We'll see. It's. Uh... I will. Adam, 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 Adam. One, one. I can count on one finger the number of pitches from established writers of the site that I've said no to. Two. We will hammer it into something that's publishable if it is not currently in that form. I, I have a great editorial staff, uh, and also I'm there. So we'll make something happen. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've got good stuff going there. I've got a couple of uh, reviews going up uh, this week, including one about the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, uh, which you should read because it's a great book. If you like our funny dumb dumb jokes, you'll like that book about a stuntman war. Um, 
Adam, where can people find you? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. What do we got going on next week, Zach? Next week, we are talking about Jonathan Hickman and only Jonathan Hickman and everything Jonathan Hickman as we are doing a whole Jonathan Hickman episode. And it's going to be a fun one. Um, <laughs> but until then, guys, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!